Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around diversity, inclusion, and equity. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in this space. Let's get started. There lived a people who had the moral courage to stand up for their rights, and thereby they injected a new meaning into the views of history and of civilization. I had the opportunity this past year to visit Memphis, Tennessee for a conference, and I was able to visit a wonderful friend, Yetta Lewis. Shout out to Yetta along with Kimberly Range. Hey, Sarah, who was kind enough to take us to the National Civil Rights Museum at the Lorraine Motel. I had never been there, and it was truly an experience. I could have been there for days, um, but we only had hours to spend. So I tried to absorb all I could and take photos to help me remember and provide information to others. I remember being in elementary school and sitting out of school on January 15th each year to help create the leverage we needed for the holiday dedicated to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, the creation of that holiday. That was my first remembrance of me participating in activism. And my parents made sure we knew why we were out of school that day and we were gonna be learning some things. So context is an amazing thing. I'm not sure you can even understand the true impact of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. without starting with the middle passage. And I know there are a variety of ethnicities that may be listening to this, but when you start with the Middle Passage, the West African cultures of the Mali, Songhai, Yoruba, Ashanti, the Kingdom of Benin, slavery in America held captive 12 generations of Black people. As long as slavery existed, so did resistance, however. And it was the people of African descent that pushed America to be truer to what it professed, that all men are created equal. The moment the first African laborers stepped ashore in Jamestown, Virginia, in 1619, slavery became part of American culture. It fueled America's expansion, and by the Revolutionary War, it existed in all 13 colonies. By law, enslaved Africans and their descendants had no civil rights. Whites believed that Africans were inferior, and that justified the enslavement and the brutality that maintained it. Yet Blacks defied oppression with words and weapons, everyday actions, and impassioned agitation. They built families, communities, and institutions. They kept alive African traditions and created new traditions that defines what it means to be African-American. So often, we are challenged as African-Americans regarding our culture. We're not African. 
we're not American. We have no culture. But our rich and distinct culture became the most defiant argument against the idea that underlay the institution of slavery, that those held in bondage were less than human. So for those of you that wonder why there is a focus on Black Lives Matter, you have to start here. You see, it was written in the Virginia Grand Assembly. They created the Slave Code of South Carolina, Article 9 of the Constitution, the Alabama Slave Code, the Fugitive Slave Act. Think about the physical brutality, the psychology of it, the courage it takes to lead, to stand up, to inject new meaning into the views of history and civilization. In many cases, people don't know this history. They've been told history from one perspective in school. There are so many things that I never knew and would never have known if I just stuck to the history books that they gave me in school. Even African-Americans themselves sometimes don't know our own history. So it must be told. Being married to a storyteller for almost 25 years provided me an invaluable lesson in oral tradition and culture, and especially in the oral traditions of our ancestors. We have to tell our own stories, and I hope that people listen. Diversity and inclusion is just the start of equality, equity, and justice. Human rights and the belief in people and their own power to change their lives. From those trying to break the spirit at Parchman Prison to the power of the vote and the Voting Rights Act in 1965, we are moving. We cannot afford to stop. Be the change you want to see in the world and stay tuned for some special guests during Black History Month this year. One quote from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Sooner or later, all the people of the world will have to discover a way to live together in peace and thereby transform this pending cosmic elegy into a creative psalm of brotherhood. If this is to be achieved, man must evolve for all human conflict, a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. I leave you with this short segment from Reverend Wendell Anthony, who sits on the board of directors of the NAACP and spoke at the last national conference of the NAACP. These words I continue to play because they inspire me to do more, to accept the call, and to continue to focus on civil rights, human rights. America is calling you not to watch what happens, but to make something happen. Not just to think about it, but to be about it. America is calling you, calling you not for quiet acceptance, but for constructive resistance. Not calling you by cell phone, iPad, iPhone, text, Instagram, or tweet. It's calling you to meet the challenges in the streets. America is calling you to get on top of all of this madness so our progress will not stop. America is calling you from the north, the south, the east, and the west, determined to invest in everyone doing their very best so you cannot rest. We don't need you to act like you've been called. We need you to come because you've got to call. America is calling you. It's you and you and you and you and you. And me too. America is calling you, calling you. 
Will anybody answer the call? Good morning, NAACT. We are in the house because this is the house that we want to maintain. America is at a crossroads. We in the NAACP stand in the gap at a fork in the road. One way points forward, another way points backwards. Don't you know that after 400 years of enslavement, building this nation, never getting paid, 150 years of Jim Crow and Jim Crow Esquire, 100 years of lynching, fighting in every war of the nation, sacrificing blood, sweat, and tears to help preserve the nation, fighting and winning the right to vote, fighting and winning the right to live where we want, work where we want, go to school where we want, elect who we want. We have earned every right that we got right now. Nothing was ever given to us. As Frederick Douglass said, nothing and power conceives nothing without the land. It never has and it never will. Therefore, we must continue to demand not just respect, but equity of opportunity. We've come too far to be turned back now. So I don't know about you, but I refuse to go back on the plantation. I'm not going back. We've come too far. Before I'd be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave and call me to my Lord and be free. My Bible teaches us, stand firm. Do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. We are here in Atlantic City, New Jersey. In 1955, the NACP held its 46th annual national convention here in Atlantic City High School. It was a time when the FBI was in attendance, not to do a workshop, but to make certain folks didn't stop our work. During the middle of the annual spring dinner, a sea of white rats were released on the floor to disrupt the program and disrupt the work of the NAACP. White rats running loose on the street of the floor of the National Convention of the NAACP, done by a white supremacist organization, bent on division and confusion. Well, today, beloved, we still have rats on the very foundation of our freedom and liberation. These rats even have names. They are called redistricting rats, gerrymandering rats, suppression rats, states' rights rats, make America great again rats, anti-racist rats, seditionist rats, stealing our right to vote rats, big liar rats, right-wing evangelical Christianity rats.
leader and put you at ease. That's why Amos Bell, Fannie Lou Hamer, the 20th child in a family of six girls and 14 boys, when asked Leon who she was, she said, my name is Fannie Lou Hamer, and I exist. I exist at 626 East Lafayette Street in Ruleville, Mississippi. The reason I say exist is because we've been excluded, Derek, from everything in Mississippi but the tombs and the graves. That's why for us, it's called instead of the land of the free and the home of the brave, it's called in Mississippi, the land of the tree and the home of the grave. Her parents were sharecroppers. Family picked 56 bales of cotton a year. One bale of cotton is 495 pounds. She said so many times, with dinner they had greens with no seasoning and flour gravy. My mama would lift flour with a little grease and try to make gravy out of it. Sometimes she'd cook a little meal, you better listen, and they would have bread. She said no one could ever say the Negroes are satisfied. We've only been patient. But how much patience can we have? So she reminded the world, the nation in 1964, right here on the boardwalk, at the Democratic National Convention, that we didn't come here for just one seat. We didn't come here to take or to be given a seat. We want our whole delegation to be seated. You see, I'm tired. I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Well, the NAACP is also sick and tired of being sick and tired. We are tired of the delays. We are tired of the same old, same old. We are tired of those who are supposed to be with us, yet they are working against us. This ain't just a national convention, it's a national call to action. We didn't here just to gamble because America is gambling with our very lives. We came here to continue to build black economic and political power. You see, this is power. We don't want no greens without seasoning, just like we don't want racist institutions not seasoned by the U.S. Constitution. We want our greens seasoned. As a matter of fact, we not only want greens, we want some sweet potatoes and bread and cheese and chicken and beef and fish with all the chili. We want some sweet cake, some pie, and some cobbler. Some of us eat a little steak and lobster, and we want vegan too. As a matter of fact, we want to own the very restaurants where it serves people. Because we are tired of all the holes, the political <coughs> 
A man was one day walking along and he fell down into a pit. A self-righteous person came along and said the Lord must want him to be in that pit. A subjective person came along and said he must belong down there in that pit. A pessimist came along and said I doubt if he will ever get out of this pit. An optimist came along and said I just hope one day he might get out of this pit. A born again Christian came along and said I'm just going to pray that he gets up out of this pit. A psychologist came along and said his parents are the reason he's down in that pit. A fire and brimstone preacher came by and said he must have done wrong. That's why he's down in the pit. But along came the NAACP. And just the right power, they reached out a hand and pulled up the man saying, we got the power. You see, God did not give us the spirit of fear. Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.